Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Well, hey, Tanya. Hey, Kat. How's it going? It's going good. So I am real concerned about your Friday coming up this week. You're having surgery. And I'm having surgery. It's not your first rodeo either, is it? It's not my first rodeo. And I'm not concerned. So I really don't want you to be concerned. Okay. How about that? Okay. Well, that's okay. good. Can you talk about the issues you've just for your knowledge? Tanya is having knee surgery on Friday. And like I mentioned, it's not her first rodeo down this little merry path. So Tanya, can you tell us a little bit about the history of your knees? Yes. Yeah, so I've had lots of knee trouble. So way back back when, when I was a youngster, I was skiing and I had been skiing on a set of skis that were rentals, not my own skis, because it was spur of the moment we were away for the weekend and we got the idea like, hey, let's go skiing. And so I got myself into a pair of rental skis and learned after my accident, my fall and my injury that the skis I was on was set for a 200 pound person, not the it bit I was at the age of 13. And so the binding did not let loose, right? Yeah. So when I fell, I definitely tore ligaments in my knee. But at the time, you know, we were back in the early 80s and MRIs were not a thing. So I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, yep, we think you sprained your knee. At that point, the word was sprained because the language of torn ligaments wasn't as prominent as it is now. And they sent me home with an ACE bandage and home I went. And I lived on that sprained knee for four years while still playing softball. I was a catcher. I was squatting. I was definitely using and abusing my knees. Right. That makes me hurt just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I'm not saying that, you know, don't discourage your children if they're going to be catchers, but maybe encourage them to play multiple positions so that they're not the same way I feel about pitching. Don't encourage your kids to be pitchers and have, you know, chronic elbow problems either. Right. There has to be sort of a, a balance to your practice and your life. But those were life lessons I didn't learn until later. And so I was in gym class and playing volleyball, regular gym class and jumped. And when I came down, I dislocated my knee. I had a gym teacher who happened to have been very wise at the time. She jumped on my thigh and she pulled my ankle and she relocated my knee like within minutes of it happening. But then of course, sent me to the doctor and said, we're calling your parents. You need to go see a doctor. And at that time, four years later, I was set up with an orthopedic. And again, you know, it was up and coming in orthopedics. And he was probably pretty well known in the state because he was the orthopedic for all of the sports teams in Minnesota at the time, who were the people who were generally seeing orthopedics at that time. And they did an arthroscopic surgery, which for those of you who don't quite know what that is, an arthroscopic surgery is done through poke holes. They just poke a couple holes in your knee. I say just 
they just poke a couple <laughs> holes in your knee and they go in with a camera and they go in with very small utensils so that they can look inside. And that's what they called an exploratory arthroscopic surgery. But at that time, learned that I did not have a functional ACL. I had no ACL at all because over the four years that I had torn my ACL, it had completely just disintegrated. And Kat, I just have to say, I love that you pulled your hair up and I think you have the most beautiful, glamorous jaw and neck ever. Oh, yeah. So our listeners don't know, I never, ever, ever put my hair up, but it's so hot up here in my office because the air conditioning went out that I've I've resorted to putting my hair up. And so I've probably scared. (laughs) I think it's lovely and I want you to do it every day. I think it's beautiful. Okay. So, yeah, so I learned I had no ACL and the decision was made that I was going to receive a new ACL and the ACL was going to be a cadaver ACL from a 27-year-old male who had perished in a car wreck and was going to donate me his Achilles tendon that they were going to use for my ACL. And that was lovely, except for the fact that my knee did not like his Achilles tendon Mm -hmm. and it did not stay in place. So I ended up back in knee surgery. And now this being these ACL reconstructions, these are not the arthroscopic poke holes. These are open knee surgeries. Mm -hmm. When we found out that my cadaver tendon did not take, then the second time through, I went through a synthetic knee surgery where I got a synthetic rubber band. The synthetic rubber band was a cross between like pigskin and, you know, pigskin meets rubber band, literally. So that's what they gave me the second time. And that would have all been well and good. But then I managed because of the energy circle that I was living in, the chaos that I was living in, got into a car accident. And because I was a teenager who thought, you know, you could drive with one foot you know, up by the dashboard or whatever it was I was doing, I collided with a telephone pole on the driver's side door and I re-destroyed my knee. Wow. Same knee. Same knee. Wow. Tell me that's not the universe speaking quite loudly <laughs> to you. That's the universe going, get your leg in the right spot when you're driving the friggin' car, Tanya. <laughs> and so I went through a another ACL rescission. And this time they used my patellar tendon. So this is the tendon that goes between my kneecap and my shin, where they cut it into thirds and took the middle third to use as my tendon. And then they screwed it in on both ends. And that worked for a time. And, you know, it's kind of unknown between my surgeon and mine how long that lasted. But I got back into my sports. I became a chronic runner. I was really just roughing up my legs because that was chaos of my life. That was what I thought I was meant to do until I was introduced to yoga. And then I realized that that was really not the journey for me, but it took me, you know, destroying my knee quite a few times before I learned, you know, that wasn't the right path. And so I, in that my knee surgeon retired and I was introduced to a new knee surgeon. And the beauty of the new knee surgeon is he is very advanced in his studies and he is very much about uh, healthy use of your own self to heal yourself. So he was very pro plasma injections. So I would go in and I would get my blood drawn and he would separate my blood and he would take my own plasma and put it back 
into me for my own healing instead of using synthetic cortisone shots. The same held true for when he reworked on my knee. He worked on it from a biomedical knee replacement where he was using stem cells to help me regrow cartilage in my knee. So the process became as holistic as was possible in a surgical setting, right? So it was Eastern medicine meet Western medicine. And, you know, I always appreciate the fact that when I would wake up from surgery, they would greet me with essential oils because that was my request and they honored that. So, you know, that was very much the path I was moving on to and it was very much aligning with my life. And so that knee surgeon has helped me through a couple of knee surgeries, being the first arthroscopic surgery where he helped me discover that partial knee replacement that I needed to do. And then he also rebuilt my ACL yet one more time, but this time with my hamstring attachment. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yes, I have been through the gamut with my left knee. So ironically, the surgery on Friday is not my left knee. It's actually my good knee. That's what I was just scared. Yes. Well, before you go into that, so how many surgeries have you had on your left knee total? Seven. How many surgeries have you had on your right? Is this the first one? Zero. Zero. So this is the first time for right leg. This is the first time for the right leg, which that kind of makes me a little bit sad. Like I was like, I really just don't want to open this knee like it is managed for so long. But I do also know because of this major imbalance that I have in my left knee with all of the abuse and all of the surgeries, all of the scar tissue, it is affecting my right knee. And if I want to be proactive about keeping it healthy, this seems like the easiest way for me to create longevity in that knee. And I have for a very long time managed with it and said, nope, we're not going to do it. Nope, we're not going to do it. But we're kind of at a point where if I wait too much longer, it could create worse damage. And I really don't want to do that. Trying to be proactive. What kind of surgery are you having on that knee on Friday? Is it so on Friday, it is arthroscopic. So it is just three pokals. I say just, it is just three pokals, which I strongly, you know, a firm believer that that's okay. And uh, what he is going to be doing is fixing the meniscus that I have a tear in. And it's a kind of a unique tear. Traditional tears are kind of like rat tail tears where you have like an edge that's like poking out. They can go in, they just snip it off. They leave the rest of your meniscus intact. But this is not the case with me. The tear I have is like a horizontal tear. So you think about like if you were to take an apple, normally you would take an apple and you would take your knife and you would slice it right down the top and you would split the apple in half. But in this case, think of it like holding your hand on top the apple and taking the knife and cutting horizontally through through the apple. So the tear that I have in my meniscus is a horizontal tear, Mm -hmm. which is a problem because what happens is that meniscus flaps over. And so I get this catching, right? So what are some things that you do to prepare for surgery, mentally and physically, even preparing your house? I know before my mom had her knee replacement surgery, they told her to get all the rugs up off the floor. Now you probably won't be on crutches, but I know you have to physically and mentally prepare also, um, or maybe even prepare food ahead of time. What are some things you do? So for me, I mean, ultimately it, it really is, you know, 
my whole journey over the last 10 years and even, you know, through my surgeries in the last 10 years. Because ultimately, you think about like when it comes to my mastectomies and my reconstructions, like my surgical care is, it's very important for me to build myself up before those surgeries, taking care of myself, doing physical therapy beforehand. And for me, these are things that I know to do automatically, but it's also diet and wellness eating clean before you go into surgery, making sure that you are eliminating toxins before you even start because it's already adding the toxin of, you know, anesthesia and dealing with that, you know, detoxification process after surgery. But when it comes to my home, like I feel like my home is, you know, small enough that I don't have to manage too much. The difference too also is I don't have any kids living at home. So for me, my space is fairly clean. It's uncluttered. You know, I, I already live a fairly minimalistic lifestyle and so, but when it comes to body prep, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, just yeah. think, think mindfully about what you're putting into your system, you know, eliminating alcohol from your diet for the week prior to surgery or, you know, more if you if it's available, but I am a very clean eater and, you know, my journey with intermittent fasting. So for me, you know, whole foods is, you know, part of my prep, but then also, so also is essential oils. Like I've already got them all lined up. I use them for my scar care now before I even go into surgery. So I'm always using my essential oils on myself for my, my scar care and my tissue care. So it's already there and ready for when I, you know, come out of surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Well, like I mentioned, my mom just had knee replacement surgery and they gave her a list of exercises to do before and after um, surgery and they were different exercises. So what's some post care that you do? Any kind of specific exercises to help rehab the knee quicker or maybe just using more of your essential oils? Well, so for depending on what your knee surgery is, obviously the PT and the exercises are going to be different. You know, in ACL reconstruction, it's going to involve, you know, straight leg raises, trying to be mindful to rebuild the quad because the quad um, will see atrophy so quickly. So also does the calf. So toe raises, standing up near a wall and just, you know, doing toe raises. Um, But when it comes to stairs and, and any sort of circular movement, obviously you need to know what your doctor is recommending for you so that you're not just, you know, know, taking the bull by the horns. But really the biggest thing is, is not to let yourself be still for too long because stiffness is going to set in. Atrophy is going to set in, Mm -hmm. especially if you are bound by a brace because being in a brace is also going to create atrophy. And so you really need to be combating that. So even if it is isometric muscle holds, so just flexing the quad, releasing the quad, flexing the quad, releasing the quad, flexing the calf, releasing the calf, isometric holds are also going to help you. It's what we teach in yoga all the time is isometric holds. That's what yoga is all about is the isometric holds. Yeah, absolutely. Since we've talked about the quads and the different uh, muscles that support the knee, can you give us a quick anatomy of the knee? Uh, Yeah, for sure. So think about the knee like a cap 
capsule, right? And within the capsule, there are the two tendons to the left and the right. In this case, the medial, the one to the inside of the knee, and the lateral, the one to the outside of the knee. But then there's also the patella, which is the kneecap that rests on the front of the knee and then has its own two tendons that connect it to the femur and the tibia. So those two tendons are what track the kneecap when the kneecap bends. Mm -hmm. But then if you were to take that kneecap and lift it, slide it over so you could look inside the capsule, then you would see two anterior cruciate ligaments that cross inside the knee capsule. And Mm -hmm. those anterior cruciate ligaments are what keep the knee from forward flexing bone on bone. And it helps what keeps cushion between the lower bones and the upper bones of the legs. Yeah. And, you know, the knee is one of the most complex joints in the body. And if you would look at all those little pieces of that, you can kind of see why. Well, and the ultimate thing is, is that part of that is also because it is not just a hinge joint, but it is also a hinge and a pivot joint. And usually that's where most people suffer their injuries is when they are in a flex position and then somehow take a jar one side or the other that then takes them out of that hinge into a place of pivot, which is dangerous for the knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it completely unstable at that point. So, you know, yoga, a lot of people come to our yoga studio because they have problems. Now, I always say we, we end up with a lot of broken people that get, you know, come to yoga initially because they've hurt their knee or hurt their back, hurt their shoulder or hurt something. So they find that, yeah, and a lot of orthopedic surgeons, as we know, um, send their patients to us. And so yoga does offer some relief for people that struggle with knee concerns. Now, of course, you always want to check with your doctor to see if it's a good choice, depending on what's going on with your knee, but it can reduce chronic pain while improving mobility, physical fitness, and just your overall quality of life. And when we interviewed Edward about back concerns, we asked him if people that had a more positive outlook about their surgeries and about life, if they did better. And he said, yeah, he said almost across the board, they will do better. So doing yoga will also help instill that in a person. But when you are looking at poses that you can do that can help you with knee when you have knee concerns, I only put, I only came up with three or four of them for you. Bound angle. Some people call it butterfly. I call it bound angle, Baddha And it's a seated pose with the soles of the feet together. If someone has some extreme knee issues, they're going to want to have support underneath the knees or at the quads to help avoid stressing the knee. But this opens up the hip flexors and the inner thighs and the groin muscles, all of which affect the knees. And if you find that it's a comfortable pose, you can even bring your feet a little closer to you. Another one, warrior pose. And this is warrior one, two, and three can help strengthen many of the muscles that surround the knees. And they improve the stability of the knee joint as well as your balance. And bridge pose, it places the knee in a comfortable position of flexion about at about a 90 degree angle and it strengthens the glutes, the core, and the quads. And let's see, legs at the wall pose. This is one of my favorite of all poses and this pose reduces swelling and inflammation throughout your entire lower and it helps to regulate blood flow. The only other one that I would add would be chair pose. Mm-hmm. 
assuming that you have permission from your knee surgeon or orthopedic to do knee flexion strengthening, but it is very quad strong and it is very calf and glute strong, assuming that you don't experience any discomfort and you have approval from your doctor to be doing chair pose, Mm -hmm. especially the way we teach it in yoga by keeping the knee behind the toes. It's very important. Yeah. Well, and need to listen to your body. I mean, listen to your doctor, but also listen to your body. Because if a pose doesn't work for you, then don't do it. There's always a modification for everything. Always a modification. But the other poses that I would also suggest would be a forward fold in general, keeping the hamstrings lengthened, but not over lengthening them. If you are over lengthening your hamstrings, it's actually going to make the knee less stable. Mm-hmm. And it is something that we should bring up is the importance of when you have your knee inflection that you really need to be also flexing your foot because by flexing your foot, you're engaging the tendons up the lower part of the calf. So you think about like a figure four flexing the foot or a pigeon pose flexing that front foot, even in a reclined pigeon flexing that upper foot is really important because it's going to keep that knee capsule protected. Mm -hmm. On some other, some poses that you would not want to do would be like hero pose or child's pose, any kind of poses that have a real harsh angle for the knee. I know a lot of people with knee concerns can't do a low lunge. So finding ways to either put your foot on a, put your knee on a blanket to help support and take pressure off, or just choose to not do some of those more harsh angles. Yeah. In fact, practicing with what they call a suka mat, a happy mat, you know, using that padded cushion under your knee, stacked blankets, as you suggest pillows, anything that you can to support it, especially if you have trouble kneeling on your knee, like I do now. Kneeling on my knee is, is, it's not awful if I have both knees down, but if you ask me to kneel on only one knee, aka my left knee, that's not a good thing for my knee. I just don't have the structural stability for it. Yeah. So besides the suka mats, those are little yep. discs, right? Uh, the suka mat is actually a rectangular mat. I think you can get them on Amazon for like $9.99, but they're like about an inch of cushion and they're really lovely. I stick mine. Actually, I have two of them. I stick one under my knees and I stick one where my hands would be in vinyasas. So I'm also protecting the heel of my hands and my wrists. So I actually use two suka mats and I just lay my mat over the top of them. So my mat looks like it's got little bumps in it, but it's because I've got extra padding there. That helps you keep your stability and you're not sliding as much like that. And, you know, using blankets or towels are also helpful using yoga blocks and bolsters, finding ways to use props to help support the knee while you're healing it or strengthening it are very important. So that's kind of the knee. And so Tanya's have that surgery on Friday. And will you have any limitations or will you be up and going pretty much after? So this is also the lovely relationship that I have with my physician is that he and I have agreements. He would traditionally tell a person who is getting an arthroscopic meniscectomy, which is the official Mm -hmm. medical term for what I'm getting, five to seven days on crutches and minimal weight bearing 50% to start. But he says, since I know you, I know your care of your body, I know the level of care you'll take, I'm going to suggest to you that you choose when you can bear weight for yourself. He says that he has to send me home with crutches because it would look bad if he didn't. (laughs) 
but that he also knows that I am a quick healer and I, you know, really do take meticulous time to do my exercises so that I don't have muscle atrophy. Like that's really what um, has gotten me this far through the surgeries I've been through and my recoveries. The other piece to it is he generally says, you know, six weeks without major activity. He told me six weeks, no running or jumping, which I don't run anymore. So that's okay. And I, I don't know what I would jump around for. I am not much of a jumper. Um, I know you love jumping, so it would, it would, it would definitely affect you because of your love of jumping. But for me, it's not so much a concern, Mm. but he, you know, does also say, be mindful of what you're doing with your yoga practice, because he knows that there are some postures in yoga that are actually very hard on the knees. And Mm -hmm. if you're not mindful and taking care of yourself, that, you know, that is a place that could become injurious. Mm -hmm. So he trusts me. He knows that I keep an open line of communication with him. He knows that I'm the kind of person that will reject pain medicine and alter, you know, use uh, alternative means, aka my oils and other things, Mm -hmm. because he knows that's kind of how I uh, how I operate. So well, good luck with it. It's gonna be groovy. I'll be fine. Text me as soon as you're out of surgery. I mean, the second. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, the second time out is gonna be the first thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be like, wake up, open my eyes and be like, Oh, I have to check in with cat. I have to talk to Kat. I know. Yeah. Have you yourself ever had any knee trouble? Uh, no, I, I, I had horses growing up. And so I have scrapes and cuts and scars all over my knees, but I've never had problems that, that would require, knock on wood, require any kind of surgeries. So no. Now my wrist, we could do a whole episode on my wrists. <laughs> and maybe that will be the next episode. <laughs> it may be because I have had surgery on each wrist and I've got two more coming up. Yeah. Do you know when they're going to be scheduled for? Well, right now I am actually going to massage every week and it is helping because I I have carpal tunnel real bad and I've had tendonitis surgeries, but I'm convinced that if I go to massage every week that it'll help release that carpal tunnel. And I asked my husband, he said, maybe (laughs) it might work. So... (laughs) So I'm trying to delay it because that changes my whole entire universe if I have, you know, my hands operated on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I get it. You know, it's just like with everything, you know, my surgeon, we talked about how long I could hold this off, how long I could hold this off. We held it off for as long as we could and kind of came to a point where I'm like, it's doing so much catching now that my gait has changed because I am like overprotecting because I don't want it to catch. And if I feel it even start to catch, then I change my footfall. And so it's totally changing my gait. And he's like, well, you in your world of balance know that when we start to compensate with how we walk or limp that we're creating just another imbalance and then if we have that imbalance then it's going to be a hip and then it's going to be your low back and you know it migrates up the body so mm-hmm. that was when I made the final decision I'm like okay I'm, I'm not willing to compromise something else mm-hmm. yeah so well, that's how it rolls then we need to have a celebratory wine chat uh, <laughs> maybe we'll even on Facebook live have a celebration <laughs> with all of our friends. We can, 
we keep talking about how we need to like literally do an unfiltered cat and Tanya wine chat because if they think we're funny and entertaining off wine, they should see us when we're on wine. We are hysterical <laughs> then, just hysterical, at least to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I feel like, you know, when we were sitting around with Edward, we were entertaining Edward, too. So I'm pretty sure we can be hysterical for everybody. I think so, too. <laughs> right on. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast, and we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.